Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. <laughs> oh man, season two! Yeah. Wow! Big Talk about spared no expense. Yeah, <laughs> what do you mean by that? There was all new camera angles, all new production value, so much happening. Mm -hmm. One specific heartbeat sound cue that really took my breath away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, this starting episode, The Child, mm. is another Star Trek classic. In this episode, while transporting a dangerous specimen, the Enterprise encounters a curious life form that impregnates Counselor Troy. Da, da, da. Yes, immaculate conception, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that shot where the bean comes on board and creeps on—it's so creepy. Where people are sleeping. It was it was creepy to a point where when it got under the bed covers mm -hmm. and it started sliding towards her legs, I kind of lost hot. my mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 speaking of. <laughs> Tangent, but just shout out to my mom who what? wanted to remind me that she's listening and I should keep it family friendly, and I told her no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Hi, Becca's mom. You could tell. We appreciate you. They were trying to use some sort of like practical effect with having maybe like an LED light on a, a wire or something to yeah. try to make it look like it was slithering. But it's like, why do don't do that? No, none of that. <laughs> it could have just been CGI. Boop. If you, if anything. <laughs> yeah. So, Becca, you mentioned the uh, camera work up top. Yes, uh, one of the opening shots where Data's working at the science station, and then we uh, pull back and we see Worf in his new uniform. New colors. Uh, wearing yellow, mm -hmm. yeah, for operations. And it opens up a little bit more on the bridge, right? So it turns out that uh, they wanted to give it a little bit of pizzazz because there was the writer strike, which had happened at the end of season one. And as a result, they lacked scripts for season two. So they actually had to repurpose old scripts from a debunk or a uh, removed Star Trek series called Star Trek Phase Two. This is actually one of them. What? So right. one of the orders from the producers was to get more cameras to really uh, give some interesting shots that they could give the fans a little bit more uh, something to look at. Huh. Yeah, look, we didn't write anything, but can we get close-ups? <laughs> yeah. Added to by the dramatic lighting. Well, yeah, well I was so going to say the lighting, yeah. 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 Uh, all of this to highlight the true star, Riker's beard, which we finally <laughs> see. I did list him in my notes as an, a new cast member Yeah, as well. yeah, the beard. <laughs> the beard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Love it. The lighting, Becca, uh, I, I agree, is, is also like it's darker and it's a little bit more moody. It's very much more of a film quality. Like, I think we know the Enterprise to be really well lit. Like, standard Federation lighting is like high and bright, <laughs> right? Yeah. Standard but it definitely has a little moodier feel this, this time around. Yeah. I thought that there were a few shots in this one. I don't know if it's because we're watching it in HD, we can see the difference, but you could, I almost saw the difference into film versus like a digital recording or something wasn't. Like, it was grainy. It was grainy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think some of the restoration processes weren't complete for all episodes. We talked about one shot in a previous episode in season yeah. one that they had, they were missing footage for. I'm not sure. I didn't see any notes about it in the stuff that I researched for this one. But, yeah, I noticed that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, any episode that starts with Deanna Troy is a great episode in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. She's an Even this way? <laughs> yes. I, I yes. actually went – when we started with her because of how we started with her, I was like, oh, no. How's Becca going to feel about yeah. this? Because, like, it's uh, – it's pretty intense. Yeah, uh, it is a bit of a violation when a flashy light enters your body without your consent. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It was a, definitely an assault. It's an invasion, right? It's an intruder uh, baby on board, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, by the end, she gets a little Stockholm about it, though. Yeah, well, I think... Right away. Is, is she Stockholm? Because, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I never considered it like that. Stockholm Syndrome being where you um, identify with your quote-unquote captor, right? Yeah. Whereas she is... Uh, I don't know. She, I don't know if this she metaphor the works. This well, no, yeah. I, like, I like this metaphor. I think it works. Your invader. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I kind of went into it with this, and this is coming from somebody that doesn't have the ability to have a child, so I don't know anything about this, but I could see where, from a writer's standpoint, it could be a sci-fi thing to play with. What if, you know, a non-corporeal alien wanted to experience life as a humanoid creature, and they could... Um, you know, impregnate this creature and, and live uh, without any damage to the, the host. You know, um, they made a yeah. point to say, 
Troy wasn't feeling any pain, um, but she was going through like the the uh, process. And that being said, I think speaks to the sort of Stockholm nature of it. If these hormones are running through her body at a faster rate than normal, the attachment and things would be like 20 times more, Ooh. not just mm-hmm. for betazoids too, who are empathetic and telepathic. Ooh. Well, just just the connection of, oh, this person came out of me and has half my DNA is enough. A hundred percent of right? my DNA yeah. because it was incorporeal. Oh, right. So it's good point. Yeah. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this. I mean, I guess she was kind of like impregnated against her will, which sounds dark. Mm. But at the same point in time, as someone without children who is in fact baby crazy, (laughs) uh, I I was like, ah, so jealous. (laughs) Now, here's the thing that is unbelievable about all of this. Your your body uh, is, is not used to growing at the rate of that much size yeah. in nine months. Therefore, you get stretch marks, you right. get pain. Like, her being like, oh, I feel nothing, is ridiculous. Even if the baby was the most benign baby in the world, your body <laughs> is literally gaining, like, stretching. Your skin is stretching. It is not going to bounce back as our new character, Polanski, Dr. Polanski. Dr. Polanski. I love Oh, yeah, you couldn't even tell she had a baby two days ago. Right. It's wild. <laughs> Your what? organs move right, right. in your body. They make You're... way for someone else to move in. Oh, it's totally crazy. true, Jay. And uh, the craziest thing that I learned about is that your abdominal muscles literally split up. Yeah. They split. I know. It's disgusting. It's called a saucer separation, Becca. <laughs> what? It's called saucer, saucer separation. separation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Should we go back to the start and introduce these I mean, there's so many things I want to talk about. Before we actually talk about all the characters, let me talk a little bit about season two. Then we'll kind of get into this episode in general. So a lot of things happen between season one and season two in terms of, like, the writing staff. Mm -hmm. Like, a bunch of positions switched. I'm not going to go all over over all of it. But if you want to check it out on the Memory Alpha or on Wikipedia, both entries for Star Trek uh, just – season two have some extensive writing changes including head writers editors etc so there's been a lot of like changes but unfortunately for the first part of the season they were out of scripts and they had no writers to work on them so they had to repurpose a bunch of phase two scripts star trek phase two was going to be like a continuation of um the original series but it didn't happen they got canceled while they were even making the pilot and the pilot episode got turned into star trek the motion picture mm. well this uh, was called, I think also called The Child, and was a script from Phase 2. So the original script, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Read the whole thing. The story With voices. <laughs> the story would have seen the Delton, uh, Ilya, who's in Star Trek uh, The Motion Picture, becoming pregnant by an alien entity as the ship passed a, near a nebula. She gives birth to a baby girl who she names Erska. Mm. The Enterprise suffers multiple near disasters, each of which are resolved by the intervention of the child. Ah. While the ship's hull is slowly dissolving and the ship will break apart in a matter of hours, the new Vulcan science officer, Zahn, spelled Z or spelled X-O-N, mind yeah. melds with the child and discovers that he need, it needs to be transported directly into a bright light which has been pursuing the Enterprise. This procedure is completed, and then as the child enters the light, it transforms into a higher life form. They just sacrifice a child. This is very yeah. Mayan. Yeah. <laughs> The episode ends with the crew musing that Ilya acted as the being's first womb, and the Enterprise was the second. Wow. That's really okay. interesting, because so, yeah. we, we really only see Delton stuff in the, the movies, and it would have been nice to sort of explore that a bit as another, like... Tell us what a, tell us what yeah, a Delton is. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, so... You can see more in Clear Skies, uh, the Star Trek RPG show that we do over at Q Times, where the Aki plays a Delton. Uh, they're like a hairless sort of race that are empathic um, and also can affect uh, their surroundings with pheromones, much like um, uh, Orions. Or women. R- Wait. Or women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, have a, they have like an aura of pheromones? Yeah. That's cool. Yep, and in the in their empathetic like betazoids to emotions and things like that. Okay, okay cool. Delta's so like, great. Knock awesome. off betazoids. Got it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the cast changes. So uh, Becca, you notice obviously uh, Beverly Crusher is gone. I'm so upset. <laughs> did you even know that who Pulaski was? Did you even know that, that was, this was happening? No. I had no idea. Where is Crusher? Why is this happening? Is she busy? Did she book a movie? 
Polanski's fine. She's nice, but uh, we got to talk about her attitude towards data. Wait, wait, wait. Her name is Pulaski, not Polanski. I'm calling and her it's Polanski. A, listen, it's important. Because she just delivered Rosemary's baby. His name is Data, not Data. And her name is Pulaski, not Polanski. <laughs> but she seems not to care, Xander. She's like, I'll call you what I want to. She, yeah. Well, she, she she's took like a, real talk downy. As if you were talking to like an electric razor or, you know, some, your coffee Alexa. Pot. Yeah, or Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, Alexa's you like, stupid bitch, shut up. And then what if she was like, actually, it's Alexa? And you just be like, whatever. Okay, cute. Yeah. You know, she plays it well in being an arrogant prick. I did I, believe she didn't care I, at all about data. Listen, I love Dr. Pulaski, and I know I'm in a minority here, but she is one of my favorite characters. She is no nonsense. She's a doctor. She backs up what like her feelings. She's got some irrational fears, which I love for character stuff. She's great. No, no. It sounded a lot like Crusher, except for irrational fears. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's here's what happened with Gates McFadden. Uh, short, uh, long story short, she was fired. Um, <gasps> no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was a little bit of drama up in the executive level, I think, or the producing. She level, came to I work drunk. Say. It's, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's it's, it's a little rumors. unclear. It's a little unclear, like who wanted her gone amongst uh, some of these people, and there's kind of different variations of the story. But they didn't feel like she was. Um, connecting with the rest of the group and most of the cast disagreed with this what? and were really pretty shocked at her departure they like wanted her to be kept and so uh gates mcfadden also said in making it so continuing star trek the next generation part two new life and new civilizations this is apparently a book uh mcfadden states that she was fired she was too vocal on the show's staff regarding some of the writing on the next generation being sexist mm-hmm. and was unsavvy at the time regarding studio politics patrick stewart described the entire cast as being quote horrified and appalled end quote that they had never expected that her comments would lead to it, having and, and ha- having been a terrible shock. McFadden herself was stunned as Gene Roddenberry told her that her character was the third most popular on the series. Ultimately, she felt that she had spoke her mind in a way that really pissed people off, and it was a good reason. It was a good lesson to learn. That makes so much sense and is infuriating. Actually, before you read that, I was about to say, I bet somebody like. Uh, you know, harassed her and she called them out and then that's the punishment for being a woman that speaks your mind. Well, thank she God specifically she- mentioned she like called out some of the writing mm-hmm. and I think there was definitely a boys club in the writer's room because there were very few women in there by what I can see. So I'm sure, yeah, that was probably it. And Ooh. so I, there were a lot of number of men who did stick, uh, stick up for her and want her back. So we'll see, we'll see if she continues back on. I have a hunch because I remember her distinctly <laughs> yeah. from childhood yeah. and uh, didn't remember Lieutenant. I've already forgotten her name. <laughs> Dr. Pulaski. <laughs> no, security oh. officer. Tasha Yard. Thanks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> One dunk in a pile of tar, and she's gone for me. Yeah. So the producers decided to get another doctor with a much more, much more of a Leonard uh, McCoy feel. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know who Leonard McCoy is, but he played Bones. He's Bones uh, on Star Trek: The Original Series. Oh, you need old Bones. man That's Mark his Twain. nickname. <laughs> yeah, DeForest Kelly. Yes. So he's a little bit more of like a the the uh, grumpy skeptical doctor a little bit, which is the kind of the rapport that we saw with her in Data. It's kind of a Spock McCoy mm-hmm. relationship they're trying to develop there. So that's why we get a little bit of a attitude from her because McCoy was a grump too, and so she's trying to kind of emulate that. But women aren't allowed to be grumpy. The writers <laughs> should know this. But that's why I like her. Anyway, one of the uh, the phrases... That's a good point, Xander, though. I, I, I agree. That's why I like her, too, because she can be that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the phrases from original series is, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a whatever it is. Like, not an engineer or not a this is. And that's because Bones, the doctor, was grumpy about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we get up Pulaski. Mm-hmm. And then we're also joined uh, with uh, Whoopi Goldberg is making an appearance. Yeah. Now, I heard in just my like fandom awareness, the the rumor is that Whoopi Goldberg was just like watching Star Trek Next Gen was like, hey, I like what you're doing. Can I get in on that? Is that sort of how it is not? Oh, uh, I know this. Uh, I know this from David Tennant's podcast. Oh, she had done a comedy special, stand up special, and she was all the rage from this one woman show that was going around and then she got contacted by them and she was like oh me what <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so that's actually also not what i have read amongst a number Ooh, of locations i love <laughs> this this is the what David we're here Tenet for podcast interview live <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, yeah. No, actually, I'm interested. Like, I mean, th- this these all could be true, mm. but I don't know the order of which happened. It's very possible that those, those things are true, but I know she was aware of Star Trek for a long time. In fact, it was actually uh, – what I think she credits to her becoming an actor. So let me let me read you. Um, yes, let me read you the introduction or the the entry from Wikipedia about it. Another actress to join the show was Academy Award winner Whoopi Goldberg, who had been a longtime Star Trek fan. She credited Nichelle Nichols as Lieutenant Uhura in the original series as an inspiration, saying, "Quote: Well, when I was nine years old, Star Trek came on. I looked at it and I went screaming through the house." Come here, Mom. Everybody, come quick, come quick. There's a black lady on television, and she ain't no maid. <laughs> I knew. I knew right then there that I could be anything I wanted to be. That's beautiful. Yeah. Right? So I think that's the best part of that story is like that inspired her to become an actress, period, right. was uh, Nichelle Nichols on Star Trek. Yeah. And that's so touching to me. Uh, so she, to appear on the show, uh, she actually got, I think she contacted them through LeVar Burton and her agent called as well. The producers didn't believe that an Academy Award winner <laughs> was interested in being in their Star Trek television show. Uh-huh. So they actually ignored the phone calls uh-huh. until Whoopi Goldberg called them personally and they arranged a meeting and she agreed to be in like I think six or seven episodes of this season so we will see more of her mm-hmm. she takes the role of Guinan who is named after Mary Texas Guinan a prohibition era speakeasy owner I didn't awesome. know that okay I, mm-hmm. I lied because she had been in the, the her second movie ever was the color purple Mm-hmm. Right, and that's which her she Academy didn't, Award. which she somehow didn't win an Academy Award for. She was nominated, oh, but she won it for like, uh, oh, what was it? It was a uh, ghost. Yeah. She won it as the psychic and ghost. Oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> um, additionally, we have Riker's beard. Riker's beard has mm-hmm. been a long time Star Trek fan as well. Uh, he had watched yeah. it as a kid. But I do, I do want to mention the beard because I do think it's sort of a statement of the time that it was airing. Because this is such a '90s like dad look type of, th- or like, well, like. The epitome of mis- masculinity at the time. Well, it used to be very unprofessional, you know? Right. In some places, it still is. you got to shave for work, although, right. you know, mm-hmm. restrictions on people's appearance uh, is changing. <laughs> but, man, it really defines a chin line, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He looks so much better with it, and it gives yeah. him a commanding presence, I think. Uh, Frakes grew it up, uh, grew it over the, in between the seasons, and the producers liked it so much they had him keep yeah, it. Yeah, typically oh. it takes nine months, but he did it in a matter of days. <laughs> he just thought real hard. <laughs> ten months. Ten months for a Betazoid. Yeah. Right, that's enough of the. That's enough of season two stuff. Let's get into the actual episode itself. So uh, yes, Becca, you're right. We start with um, we, we go over the Enterprise. We find out they are transporting some dangerous specimens, uh, mm. part of, and they're like preparing a containment unit. So they're getting ready to transport them, and then this being of light like appears outside of the ship, enters the ship, uh, enters some corridors, and then enters Deanna Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we find out very quickly that uh, she's pregnant. And actually, I will say, I think Dr. Pulaski's introduction is really great. I like the way we learn about her because she doesn't show up to say hello to the captain. And Picard is huffy about that. Well, he's also huffy that she's in 10 Forward, which we're about yeah. to find out is the new bar that they didn't have last season, but <laughs> they needed. I thought this was a great way to sort of introduce the concept of having a 10 forward and uh, Dr. Pulaski at the same time, because the way that Worf sort of infers that, oh, she's at the bar kind of thing, you you already connect the dots. You're like, oh, wow, she might be a fun drunk doctor. But then uh, (laughs) going down, you find out that she's just responsible. It's a great pull the rug out from under you moment because you're ready for Picard to kind of go whoop some ass, especially because you don't know where Crusher is and there's this new upstart. We don't know what the deal is. And then we find out she's on to business already and she's ahead of Picard in terms of what's going on in the ship. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a great introduction. Totally. Well uh, done. But well similarly, done. a terrible introduction for Whoopi Goldberg because right? we will enter and she's like, hello, Guinan is a more important character here. It's like, Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg's right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That bothered me, too. We do get a lot more with her and Wesley later yeah. in the episode, but it was so weird to have this huge star and gloss over her entrance while you're going for the entrance of the other new character. Um, yeah, I want to mention that too because this is the era of like the live sitcom where a guest star would come out and you would hear the audience like, "Woo!" Yeah. Thank God there's no react. laugh track on this on the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be where would awful. they sit? <laughs> um, what do you think of? 10 forward not being acknowledged that there's a new bar like it used to just be the holodeck that you would go to a bar inside of and then they're like oh 10 forward obviously i guess maybe it's not the first day it opened to them right i Mm -hmm. think they even 
Picard like mentions it like, oh, we all know what 10 forward is or something like that, right? It's just deck 10, section one. Uh, but yeah, we. Why, we the, why is it called that? Like 10 hut? No, because it's deck 10 and it's the forward part of the ship. Great name. So it looks mm-hmm. forward. So that's actually, we get those cool shots later in the episode of Wesley and Guinan looking out and we see warp speed and how it goes. I've never, I don't remember that. And that was distinct. Mm. We always see the stars go into their blur thing. But it, not the colors the like card. it. It definitely like transported space time a little bit, right? Mm. Yeah, they did a, a different effect. Hey, here's here's to let's have a drink in the ten forward in honor of upgraded graphics. Hey, <laughs> oh, I didn't. Here's my V8. You called it. Oh, V8. It's like a hundred mm. degrees out. Don't and worry, there's vodka in juice? it. <laughs> That's no, worse. Not. You're dehydrated. <laughs> V8. Like soup in a can. All right. Yeah, that's why I love it. It's cold soup in a can. Gazpacho in a can. Gazpacho. <laughs> You're making me sweat just sipping that. It's ice yeah, cold. Yeah, you, you went up to the replicator and said tomato juice, cold. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 10 Forward is indeed a new location. It's a new set for season two. Uh, they, they had a bit of a budget flexibility in this season. Uh, they were allowed to spread their budget over episodes, so if they went under in one episode, they could spend more in a future one. But That's sweet. like many productions, they did the opposite where they spent over in the early ones and then had to spend less as they went on, which actually resulted in the last episode of the season being a clip show. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> which I'm debating we will probably skip, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> no, but, you know, some clip shows are great. Rick and Morty, case in point. But that's okay. not a, that's, again, that's and, a montage show. Like, a clip show is just all the dopamine hits from different shows previously mm-hmm. without any of the lead up. So, anyway, the bridge seems more casual, doesn't it? Because, <laughs> uh, especially taking in season one, it was very militaristic. Uh, I think that we've sort of established that there's sort of a family atmosphere, especially with the conversations that they're having with Wesley and debating about going off to the academy and leaving the ship, uh, the conversations that he has with Guinan. Um, and even how Riker is like treated on the bridge and, and Wesley and Data and everything like that. So I feel like they, they leaned into the more familiar aspect of it and less militaristic. And that's mm. a welcome change. I didn't notice that. But they did let the doctor sit in, sit in Troy's chair when she came in. It's also the doctor's chair. Yeah, mm. Crusher sat there before. I guess so. Is it the woman's seat? It's the woman's chair. (laughs) No. (laughs) We let them sit in just one chair because the mint sees. No. No. (laughs) It's it's a medical chair. So either the counselor is there or the doctor is there. Or a nurse of some sort. Some appropriate blue shirt. (laughs) So, yeah, blue shirt. Uh, So, yeah, Troy is pregnant. It's a very rapid pregnancy, we're finding out. And we have a very intense discussion in the background, which I kind of appreciated, about potentially a this baby while mm. Troy has like this visual inner monologue that we don't hear so much as see as she just kind of processes what's going on in her own body and she looks at the picture of the fetus this mm. is a super super awesome scene I was talking about where the heartbeat of mm. the the video gets louder and louder and that's why the conversation seems in the background because in the foreground of the audio is the heartbeat it was just so well done and you're seeing Troy hearing them thinking about it and then deciding nah my body yeah well I really love that they sort of had this um it, it very much was a statement of the, the woman that is going through this is not is not being consulted uh, and this chatter about her body has just been relegated to the background because she's got to focus inward you know not only that she is also empathetic and so is the baby so there's this stronger connection as well there is the thing of um nowadays it would be so political to mm-hmm. even say the word abort but right. Well, like, I I was surprised they said it there. Actually, it was political yeah. then. It was very intense. Yeah. Like this is this is a very timely. Well, it's topic. gotten more political since then. I mean, there was <sighs> I guess in the '90s, yeah. But like in it's the huge. '70s, it wasn't as political until uh, political operatives realized it could be weaponized. Right. Right. Well, that's yes. So we can yeah the evangelical we community can get our really corporate tax cuts it. if we rally around this. Well, thing. it's funny you say mm-hmm. the heartbeat thing, Becca, because that's actually one of the tactics that those uh, people use to like mm-hmm. convey to women that they shouldn't have abortions is they make them in some states listen to a heartbeat first, uh, which uh, is coercive. But like it's it is a woman's choice, and they've they they emphasize that, and I love that they chose to make 
by the way, it was the men arguing in that conversation. You don't mm-hmm. hear Pulaski contributing to that. And I think mm-hmm. that might have been intentional. I'm, I'm optimistically hoping it's so. And they lower their volume so they're in the background, which is like representing the din of yeah. noise that has to surround Troy as she makes this decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciated that perspective. Yeah, I think it was well done. I was looking for something to criticize that's saying, you know, it, one choice or the other is wrong. And it was just, she just wanted it. It's her choice. And that's, I liked that. I like that perspective on it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and that she gave, she just gave an ultimatum of like, whatever you need to do for the safety of the ship, that's fine, but I am having this baby. Like, she clearly set down what she felt and, and what needed to happen. Yeah. And I do, man, the only thing I was a little objection to is, uh, which I was kind of also fine with it because it's typically Riker, but he's like, excuse me, who's the father? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, he like made some excuse like, this might not be appropriate at all. It's not. None of your business, No, it's not dude. appropriate We broke yeah. up. <laughs> My inamorato. What do you call it? Yeah. <laughs> what? But if Your if Betazoid you were... match. It's in classical oh, oh, theater. Oh, in it's Zadi. In Zadi, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was clearly an emotional uh, question from him, not a procedural one, right? But also, if you were in the writer's room and you're like, well, someone has to ask if there was a father, give it to Riker. He'll, he'll be the one. <laughs> Man, so, he's just mad it's not him. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're uh, figuring out that this containment thing is not going to be easy. Uh, there's a lot of procedures that need to happen for this uh, plasma plague, I believe it was what it is, that needs to get transported yep. uh, as like a start to a vaccine on another planet that is And being no one was it. wearing masks. <laughs> no. Well, it was all contained. It was contained in the uh, in the bars of the jamboree. Nothing can get through this. <laughs> Huge holes. <laughs> yeah. Watch me as I shoot it with my phaser. <laughs> Nothing. This episode of To Boldly Watch is sponsored by 10 Forward. Thirsty for conversation? Starving for guidance? Well, 10 Forward is just what the captain ordered. After a long day of monitoring dilithium crystal stability levels or counseling a transport foe through their first away mission, you need a better way to unwind than sitting in your dreary crew quarters with yet another replicated MOBA fruit pie. So come on down to Deck 10, Section 1. Behind those wooden doors, you'll relax harder than you've ever relaxed before. You can dive into a hearty debate on the nature of android consciousness over a cup of Meruvian tea, or challenge that handsome security officer to a finger-wrestling contest while sipping nectar directly from Prometheus. Featuring monthly tri-dimensional chess tournaments, occasional concerts featuring less than four musicians, and, in later seasons, Shakespeare, 10 Forward is your answer to the burning question, what if I've used up all my holodeck time? On your next visit to 10 Forward, use promo code TBW to receive a complimentary glass of Altarian Grand Premiere with your next meal. Thanks to Ten Forward for their support of To Boldly Watch and all of Good Time Society. Oh, speaking of which, we get Jordy as the new chief engineer. Yes, his, he's been promoted. And uh, we finally, because we had about eight chief engineers last season, so it's nice <laughs> yeah. someone stable. Also, I don't know if it was, I thought it was supposed to be referencing maybe someone was catching the plague, but there was a very sweaty engineer, like, extra. I wrote that too. I was like, why is yeah. this guy all sheeny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It looked like he got dunked before he went on set. I think it was just a bad, like, makeup choice. Or, like, maybe he just was under the lights too long and the poor guy sweat and they just had to use that take or something. Maybe. Some I don't people know. are sweaty. Yeah. 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 So I, that's are yeah. hot places. There's a lot of lights. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he that's had true. some V8 before that shot started. I don't know. You <laughs> stop it. V8 is delicious. It's filling. caloric. <laughs> So we uh, we go through a very rapid pregnancy, as Becca notes, the easiest pregnancy. I was, like, a little confused as to why it's so easy, and then they acknowledge later, like, that's nuts. Um, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine what – if a th- something grew inside of you at the rate that it did, I would imagine that Troy, instead of hanging out with the bridge, would be in 10 forward uh, replicating a full buffet and just downing it at all times, yeah. right? I would have appreciated if she was just, like, in excruciating pain. <sighs> you know, love Troy, don't want to see it, but, like, no <laughs> – no, this is your no. <laughs> Wait, what? You have an issue with that? It was too easy. Yeah, that was written by a man because this. Look at the size of this object. I don't care how magical it is. It's going to be painful for that to come out mm-hmm. of a hole in your body mm-hmm. that's usually much smaller and has to stretch quite a bit. <laughs> My theory on this is that I think they might have been concerned with the fact that this is already like a violation of Troy in general, and so they didn't want to make it super traumatic. And in fact, mm-hmm. by 
making it somewhat i mean it wasn't pleasant but it was uh, a painless experience i think they lessened the trauma of you know someone impregnating you because this isn't mm-hmm. this wasn't a sexual assault but it was an assault and it was definitely an evasion and it could be argued sexual i guess but like mm-hmm. that if, if it she also had to go through the trauma of an insane uh pain for 24 hours while she gave birth that would be pretty heavy to start season two fair it's just uh for anyone who's had a child or had the process of having a child described to them intensely (laughs) (laughs) this isn't fair and i'm sure it made women angrier to watch this version when it's like that's not what it was like for me you know that's what women sound like So uh, we, we go through a very easy birth. Worf is called into sickbay, and he's about to mess up this baby if it comes out and causes a threat. <laughs> I did want to say, too, that I appreciated the moment between Troy and Data. And, yes! Uh, Troy choosing oh, yeah. to have Data participate or observe. Uh, I thought this was really beautiful, and sort of the, the questions that he would ask, and he kind of, you saw the growth that he could infer he was bugging her, and, like, this is the time we saw Data shut himself up as opposed to yeah. someone else oh, saying it. Yeah, good point. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. I loved that it he also so went through the dad bit of like, now, now? Oh, now, now, yeah. doctor! <laughs> That's yeah. so and hammy. And what was but, nice is that yeah. Troy asked him, I mean, the just to recap the exchange, Polanski or whatever... <laughs> Says, typically the father's here to hold their hand. Wow, way to judge single mothers. Uh, and then Data says, I could fill that role. And and she's like, no, you're not human. We need someone who can feel things. Yeah. And Troy's like, no, Data's perfect. He's so loving and sweet. And that was a nice moment that bonded them. Yeah. Uh, from Troy's but, perspective as well. And a learning moment for Pulaski too. Because we're, 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 I feel like Pulaski's stance on data is more the universal stance because they're so used to saying, computer, do this. Replicator, do this. You know, they're not used to communicating. Whereas the crew of the Enterprise, you know they have this familiarity with data. She's special. She dehumanizes him, for sure. Yeah. Like, that's part of her character. And we're going to, f- mm-hmm. I think they address it, as I recall. We'll find out. I can't yep. remember. But Very uh, reminiscent of Riker's Attitude, episode one of season one. Yeah. And Picard. Yeah. He was exactly the same way. So it's, I like that they're consistent with that, that the mentality of Starfleet is one thing. And when they encounter data, he's the reason they change their minds. And we'll also explore that later on, too. What would be the words? It's not speciesist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Existence. Robotist. Yeah. Consciousness. Yeah. yeah. It's also interesting that, like, during the pregnancy scene, everybody, you know, who's everybody is calming down and trying to make more comfortable? Data. Data. <laughs> no one's calming Troy down or anything. Like that, which yeah. she actually is calm, but, like, everybody's like, okay, Data, this is going to be easy. You can get through this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's also, I, I feel nervous. like, traditionally, how the media had treated fathers in that scenario mm. of, like, you know. I know. We know the pain of a father's hand, but we don't know the pain of the mother giving birth. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, because all those scenes that we've seen through all of, you know, the father faints, all yeah. written by male's writer, male writer's rooms, probably. Mm-hmm. And just reinforced. So uh, we give birth. It's a cute looking baby. Wait, right, Becca? Can we talk about how Worf is there? Oh, I'm a baby person for sure. And uh, and then and then Riker comes in. They're all seeing their co-worker's vagina. Just pointing she that out. She was turned away. Let's hope so. Yeah. And who knows? They could have already. Invasive. They've all been to Risa at this point. Right? Is Risa? Oh wait, maybe not. The the yeah, they might have the mentioned it. Right? The pleasure planet. Yeah. yeah, it's the Vegas of Starfleet uh, of the Federation. Well, we did meet Eden, right? Was that? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't think we have talked about Risa yet. I don't know if they not mentioned yet. it. Maybe they haven't. But yes, it's a vacation planet. But okay. I knew a girl in acting class named Risa. Do you think she was named after the the she sexy was born planet there. in Star yeah. Trek? Yeah, for sure. Oh, born there. <laughs> they actually named the planet after her. <laughs> Gotta find her contact and ask her. <laughs> so we we progress forward. Troy takes her baby home, and Picard and Pulaski go and check on her. And in a camera move that I was very surprised at, they panned through a wall. Did you guys oh, notice yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. And we find out that, holy shit, this kid is four years old. <laughs> and has language like Pokemon. skills. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that was interesting because it must be that it's a super flashy star entity that already had a lot of knowledge because uh, learning to talk in less than a day is impressive. Well, and they immediately kind of explain it because he says uh, something pretty distinct. He says, please don't worry. Everything is okay. So he knows mm-hmm. that he's different at that point, but he knows it subconsciously, mm. right? 
-hmm. Well, I think this is to the point that he's half Betazoid because I think if it had just been a full human experience, it probably he probably wouldn't have picked up so much so fast. But because it was so intuitive, a direct connection, mm. Troy was probably uh, like exuding those feelings as well. Like I, I hope everything's going to be okay. I'm worried about my ship, and so he knew to sort of comfort in that way. Wow, what a great mom. What she is unfazed she is. by anything. Yes, my child's four years old in a day, but I love him. <laughs> it's cool. Mm-hmm. She doesn't question it. She's not scared. I, I would agree to that to the point to where she served him scalding hot liquid. Well, she's yeah. a new mother, okay? There's a lot to learn. <laughs> That's true. She's only been mom for a day. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been the, the replicator's thing, fault, too. because The God. doctor then says... Did you see he allowed himself to be burned as a, if it's some crazy thing? And Picard's like, yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. didn't know what would happen. You never touched a stove before, Pulaski? Yeah. <laughs> she said she's delivered babies before. Right. Well, I mean, for a toddler, because because they're they're showing the cognitive dissonance between learning a language and empathizing and the life experience of living for four years as opposed to half a day. Yeah, we got through the dichotomy of both of those, which was uh, a puppy fest, which was awesome, right? And burning your finger, which wasn't. <laughs> These are the, the cutest puppies. That's the epitome of human experience, right there. <laughs> puppy fest yeah, to burning yeah. finger. <laughs> That's all you need, and then you're yeah. ready to die. Yeah. Do you guys see how tiny her medical scanner was? Well, that w- looked like some Tricorder. sort of numbing, like a numbing or or regenerator or something like that. I think it was supposed to be a different device, but mm, I'll um, take one med- of those. Medical tricorders will have the detachable little uh, bit that they can sort of move around Wand. to, and it's normally that size. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah, you'll, you'll notice a little bit more of the the props becoming uh, more dynamic as we go on through the series. This is yeah. one that I'm really waiting for people on Kickstarter to develop, like all technology that originally came from Star Trek, because mm-hmm. that would be really nice. Just like a little cut. I'm you sure know? someone has an Android like phone that looks like a TNG like console with the files and stuff like that. Yeah, I need well, it to oh, actually yeah. heal skin, like repair. <laughs> well, I mean, like with 3D, 3D printing printers, band-aid. We're not too far from dermal regenerators. We just need that good, good skin to use. <laughs> Actually, have you guys seen I'll the fish scales? The skin. No. I'll find a link huh? for it and put it in the show notes. But they're using a certain fish scales to repair burns on victims. Oh. Wow. It's what? pretty crazy. Are we going to get That's mermaids? awesome. Yes. Oh, man. I hope they're blue and iridescent. Are you able uh, to screen share? I'm going to find it one second. Uh, it's hard to Google this. Uh, fish skin transplant? <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right? What am I going to see? Oh, here it is. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll just share with you the picture of it. So wait, I is imagine this a it's like the rainbow fish. Did anybody read that children's book where it gives yeah. away all of its rainbow rainbow uh, scales? It had the holographic scale. Oh, wow. Wait, hold. What? This is Whoa. real? This is real. Look at that. Uh, it's That's like it's crazy. it's a common fish too. It's like a Braz- uh, the tilapia fish. No way. I think so. Yeah, this actually Coming is a few like years old. I tilapia. think. Um, but so yeah. do you graft it? Uh, I on? think they patch it over that. Yeah, I don't know if it has disinfectant properties. I mean, it's an alternative therapy. I think I'm not sure if it's legit, but they have been using it in a bunch of different cities. So I'm not sure if it's scientifically backed up. Mm. Uh, alternative medicine is both, you know, not based in evidence and sometimes crazy. <laughs> but uh, I just saw this and I was like, I know they're applying it, so it's it's used somewhere. Yeah. Well, having green sheets in a hospital, one red flag, but also nicer aesthetically. <laughs> well, it's a foreign mm. country, Becca, so things are different. Oh, okay, got it. It's a green I take screen. it back. Yeah, they could just be anywhere. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, yeah, we're, we are we are close to dermal regeneration. It's crazy what we're being able to do now, uh, especially with prosthetics as well. So we're going to mm-hmm. see a lot of a lot more uh, scientific advancements beyond a really clunky wheelchair. In the that picture. very expensive prop. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you get two uses out of it, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Why uh, we we get that pretty much Wesley needs a little bit of help, right? He's he's debating whether he should stay on board or uh, go back with his mom at Starfleet Academy or go to the academy. Right. She uh, is the head of medical at Starfleet, which was a huge prestigious position for firing this woman for complaining about sexism. Uh, I think it was. Yeah. Um, what an irony. Roddenberry mentioned not wanting to kill off her character because they wanted mm-hmm. a potential to bring her back. So I think there wasn't. I don't know if there were hard feelings or what the deal was. I think there's a lot of context we're missing because it was thirty 
of years ago. But yeah. Yeah. So they kept her they Seems kept her like it wasn't alive. from Roddenberry. What's that? The animosity doesn't seem to be from Gene Roddenberry specifically. I think no. he was on the dis- on the side of letting her go as well. But there's so many producers that are referenced in these things with different opinions that I would, it's not really clear who said what. Burn them all. <laughs> Bring back Gates. That's Bring all I care Gates. about. Hashtag. Okay. Uh, so Wesley, however, needs a little bit of help with his missing mama, whether or not he needs to continue his own destiny. And he gets some help from Guinan, which is the real introduction we get to Whoopi Goldberg's character. Yeah. The classic trope of a, a a bar worker that can hear the truth and and give you back some wisdom. <laughs> yeah, and Wesley's going through like, the, do I go for a gap year and travel around in the Enterprise, <laughs> like get the experience, or do I join the Academy, which he already did. Was he get trying, invited? He was trying to join earlier and couldn't because he was too young and didn't pass the test, uh, and so he would just be training to eventually go back in. She makes an interesting point to him because she keeps offering him drinks repeatedly, and then he mentions it. And she says, "You know, do you always do what's expected of you? Because this is what's expected of me." And it makes him pause a little bit, and he considers that. I thought that was a really great way of just like throwing it back at him. But. I wonder. I mean, a lot of it has to be written, but there's something special to it that just feels like Whoopi Goldberg had a hand in some of these lines. Or... She's just an amazing actor. It, that's what, what it, is. it is. Is she's an amazing <laughs> actor? Like she has yeah. such great presence. And mm-hmm. she's so patient. And, you know, when Wesley thanks her at the end of, like, you know, just thank you, she doesn't say you're welcome. She says, that's what I'm here for. And that's, yeah. I think, a reference to that's what Whoopi Goldberg is here for, not just yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there were a few moments, especially Wesley and Picard in the turbo lift, they're letting this so sort of awkward. breathe. Yeah, they're, they're, they're having this awkward silence. And, you know, it could be a lack of writers, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I, you, but, you're on the right track, Xander. I, you, what, yeah. that you're, you're having it being a dichotomy from how great Guinan is at guiding them, you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Especially because Counselor Troy's busy this episode, right? Yeah, you mean yeah. She, she's guiding them <laughs> on their path? But we, we with the, the Wesley thing, Wesley and Guinan, we now have an A, B, and C plot going on. We've got Troy's Ooh. pregnant, we've got viruses on board, and we've got Wesley debating college mm-hmm. uh so <laughs> uh, always th- take the gap year yeah yeah i think this is where they really find that pacing uh of what comes to be so charming about star trek and how they interact with each other because we come to find out that troy's child is child is interfering with the uh, containment unit of the virus it's creating it to causing it to grow because of radiation mm-hmm. and wesley is still crying in 10 forward so it's all connected <laughs> he, you know for as smart as they make him out in the first season he's just so emo in this particular episode he's just staring for lonely and like not saying much yeah yeah well i mean that's the thing he is a teenager and that's that's yeah. fair well, that's the thing about uh, extremely intelligent people in general. It doesn't mean you're emotionally intelligent. Those are different mm, things. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what Guinan's there for. <laughs> Very much. And it shows how, how tough of a decision this is for him, for sure. So we find out that there is a leak of the – or the, there's a containment malfunction, I should say. Uh, yeah. And so they're not exactly sure what's causing it. They all go and investigate. <laughs> they do another thing, which they did in the first season, and, and I think Data did it too, which was they they can't tell what's wrong. And so Data says, well, maybe it's a sensor malfunction. Hmm. Computer, <laughs> is there really a leak in there? I mean, actually? Yes, right. there's actually a leak. He's like, right. well, right. stumped. Stumped. Well, that one didn't work. Stumped. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was... Uh, it hadn't leaked yet uh, that these were supposed to be like it was growing growth yes, and it, growth yeah. and in because stasis. it should be in stasis yeah mm-hmm. exactly and so the issue was it was growing at an exponential rate that eventually it would break out and... what does this remind us of on the ship mm. <laughs> weird I mm. forget what the name of the sort of radiation that was present that right. they couldn't find the source of that was a new thing on the ship maybe you should look into the new thing on the ship I but Data re- figures it out pretty quickly Eichner, Eichner, Eichner stuff. I thought it was Eisner at first, like named after Michael Eisner, but that's not. Uh, Eichner, <laughs> radiation. Eichner radiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Which we find out that good old Ian Andrew Troy is emulating. So mm-hmm. before, before actually well, we find that out. he's been floating around in space. You, you're probably absorbing a lot of shit out there, you know? <laughs> it's true. He's going through a lot of Eichner fields, that kid. Uh, <laughs> he sure is. We f- well, uh, we actually we can we confront Ian goes to sleep and says I'm piecing out. Like, what does he say to her? <laughs> I can't remember from my notes. 
he says that he's the problem. He, right, he I'm the problem. Yes. I'm the one that's causing the problem or something like that. And so we can understand that this this being is, is – I'm piecing out, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that this being is uh, able to control this body to an extent that probably we couldn't, you know. It seems to be inhabiting something that it's borrowing. And we find out later as as the special effect happens. And, you know, Marina Sirtis tries her hardest to keep an eyeline uh, with this invisible thing. Yeah. This is before they've really worked that out. Yeah. Um, We're super hypercritical of that, though. Can we yeah. talk about the moment uh, where she's having the conversation with Ian? He realizes he's the problem, and he just says, okay, thank you, bye. Mm-hmm. And uh, dead now. <laughs> she's acting with she's her toes, She's incredible. Acting yeah. with her toes is the phrase. I love yeah. that, Sander. She really, <laughs> I, I felt it in my toes. She's mm-hmm. so, so talented. And I love that she just really felt this connection with this child, and we feel that. Yeah. She good. When they f- figured out that the child was going to be one of them, uh, Sirtis was very excited because she felt she'd been overlooked during the first season due to the presence both of Gates McFadden and Denise Crosby. So she was excited mm-hmm. to get a chance to go for it right in the season opener. Yeah, because that's yeah. how most women feel. It's like competition between other women, you know? <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I'm just kidding. No, but you're right, Becca, because she it's... did have standalone episodes in the first season and actually was a pretty stand, like a very present part, even though she was cut out of several episodes and not in them. She also had her mm-hmm. own with the uh, weird betro- uh, betrothal episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Luxana. Well, mm-hmm. no, I, I say that jokingly, but I'm sure that part of that was the fact that, like, oh, well, we featured three women in, in episodes in a row, <laughs> yeah. so uh, that's too much. I'm sure was a thing. Especially if you're in a locked in a writer's room thinking you're only going to a specific sci-fi audience. Yeah. Too. Right. Little did they know, women were and continue to be half the population. So. Well, and also Strange. women are the core of fandom most of the time. Like, Hell take any yeah. fandom, and it's it's run by women. <laughs> who went, who runs the world? It's girls. girls. <laughs> Thank you, Queen Bee. So Ian leaves. He disappears. He goes into star mode, and uh, we all say goodbye. And then, <laughs> and then uh, the problem is solved. The containment is, uh, or the the growth stops. We're good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much okay, it. Okay, I guess uh, A plot solved B plot. Thank you. Yeah, that was a nice little tidy little resolution. It's so so convenient that it could end like a that. A little too bow on it, but you know mm-hmm. what? They did a lot of new things with this start mm-hmm. of season two that the plot's resolving independently will be next. I, I had made a note. Uh, is this the first time that we've, we're seeing Miles O'Brien, or had we seen him a little bit we before? We saw him in one of the first episodes. He was in Farpoint, right. I think, because he was in oh, okay. the saucer separation, the Battle Bridge. That's right. That's cutie with the blonde curly hair. Mm-hmm. Cole Meany is his name. Face. We will be seeing mm-hmm. much more of him. He will become a uh, irregular captain. <laughs> yeah, I remember him. I remember having a crush on him. I like oh, really? hair and his stern demeanor. What? Oh, that's so know. fascinating. Oh, we're, I want to uh, explore Jake, this more. I don't know more. if you noticed, I have a crush on everyone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a hypersexual show for you. Sorry, Becca's mom. Uh, and Riker. <laughs> and Riker, yes. yeah. <laughs> this is just how I consume media. And yeah. <laughs> after our A plot and our B plot are resolved, as Xander mentioned, we do have a C plot. And so it's about Wesley, and he decides to request to stay. And so Picard kind of plays the long game with him a little bit and joshingly asks the bridge crew, I guess if they'll adopt him, right? Yeah, they they I, they missed the mark a little bit on it, but I think what they're going for is this sort of family, uh, we're all here, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. But who will tuck him in at night? I won't Worf. accept that responsibility. I laughed out loud at that one. Yeah. I, that was right? a great delivery. Worf? Worf has just been dying to tuck in Wesley. This feels <laughs> awkward. I want to see that end scene. Like, they need but, to start having post-credit scenes of Worf tucking in Wesley every night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that it was, like, it was a nice touch to, like, make it a family-feeling thing. I think I get what they were going for, but it still had, like, a tinge of, like, dad jokes of the 90s a little bit. Like, Josh and Ryan yeah. kid a little bit, right? Like, oh, no, we left the kid with three dads yeah. and a robot. I suppose oh, no. we can try and take care of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Uh, uh, this is a good example, and Beck, I'm sure you'll um, like identify with this as an actor of like Wesley has a very corny take at the very end. He's very smiley and very cheery, and it's like go for it and like go to warp speed, and we end the episode. And I feel like this is where some of uh, poor Will Wheaton's like problems began too, of like everybody hating on the poor guy because you don't have control as an actor over what mm. uh, take 
gets used in the show. It's kind of mm. up to the editor and the director a little bit. So that choice was up to them and not him. And I was just kind of fascinated of like, oh, yeah, as an actor, you're you're just given the chance to do this and they take what they use, right? Right. Yeah, no, it really is decided by the edit. And in that way, you need to remember, if you didn't like the take, fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that what you're doing when we film together? <laughs> You've wasted no. so much of my time. No. <laughs> Your assessment of whether a take is good or bad isn't always accurate, though, right? Because you could be wrong. It could look really good and you don't think it is. Or it's embarrassing or you do something that's unpredictable that you feel out of control. And then so that's the other pro pro tip is always make the take usable. These are. Yeah, okay, there it is. I was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. these are not tips. Actors, do not listen. <laughs> it depends if you trust your director or not. That, uh, there it is. That's, I think that's the big thing. And, like, that's that's the intent behind choosing those shots, too. Because you, as an actor, have one motivation, but they could see, like, oh, I want a more childlike smile. Mm. And that take, well, I get the smile in that, regardless of the rest of the performance. So they use that clip instead. I bring this up because I was mentioning that we were going to record this episode when I was on stream yesterday. And some people were like, oh, yeah, I don't like Wesley. And I started defending him. I'm like, you know what? There's Will Wheaton did a good job with what he was given. And I think yeah. we need to give him a lot of credit for that because he's not given a consistent uh, direction. And he takes it as best he can. I thought he did a good job. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of young actors that are put, you know, child actors that are in a big movie are usually working with an incredible director. This is TV, and TV was different back then. It wasn't taken as seriously as film, and the actors were left to their own devices more often. And, like, okay, we're worried about getting the shot and moving quickly because we don't have time, we don't have budget. Mm -hmm. uh, and so him having to learn, you're learning as you go at that age how to act, and having to learn on the job, uh, I, I think he did a great job. Yeah. But well, uh, speaking on that too, there's this sort of mentality that you see when we speak about fandom, uh, especially with, with the flip side of that, that this was a massively popular show that a lot of people were watching, that a lot of kids were watching. And Wesley was the kid's character. It was the way that, you know, teen girls were excited to see him, but teen boys were excited to be him. Like that sort of mentality. Um, the rest of the fandom sees that as that's kid stuff. I'm not interested in the Wesley storylines because I'm here for the real science, but it's all a part of it. It's all a story that they're telling together. Um, and, and to be dismissive of someone's role in that, I think, is to dismiss the whole thing altogether. Agreed. Well said. Yeah, well said. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I think we can button in on that. I mean, let's talk about what's going to happen next in season two because we have the next oh, yeah. episode where silence has lease. That's the what? that's the name of it. I'll, I'll repeat it again. <laughs> where silence has lease and it's the first is it of paying the rent <laughs> <laughs> when an alien traps the enterprise and threatens to kill half the crew purely out of curiosity captain picard is faced with a grim decision Thanos! <laughs> <laughs> you are you're very good at connecting marvel movies to most episodes of star trek you know that <laughs> my superpower is naming references that things remind me of all day long it's a problem wow <laughs> What can I see, say? I am a, a consumer of media, unabashedly. <laughs> but it's great because you're always making connections in your mind. It's all connected, man. <laughs> I'm like a four-year-old Ian learning, learning as I go. Mom, did you see this? Get your anyway. finger out of the soup. <laughs> mom, thanks for never letting me put fingers in soup. We appreciate you, <laughs> Becca's mom. For never letting her yeah. have been burned. She still doesn't get it. We have to keep her away from the lights constantly. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, on that, I say, uh, make it so. Engage! Engage!